You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. So 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 11, it says this, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us of His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in his in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wow. Last week we we looked at kind of the foundational part of this passage, which is in uh, is verses three and four. That God has called us by His glory and His goodness. He's called us by who He is and by what He's done for us. All of us hear this call. We're wooed to Him not because of His wrath or His anger, but we're wooed to Him because of His glory, His presence. And again, even this morning, I, I trust that as we took just these moments to kind of experience him, we're drawn to him, aren't we? When you take time to just say, God, I want to know you, I want to experience you. And we open our hearts to him, we're drawn by his goodness. We're drawn by his presence, by his glory, by all that he is. So he calls us, but then he calls us to his own. And he, and he again, he's paid this price so that we could come boldly before him through what Jesus did upon the cross. And in that, he then gives us everything we need for life and godliness or God-likeness. He, he gives us everything we need for to, to, to live up this walk, not just kind of through our own energy and our own strength, but by his divine power, it says, he's given us everything we need. We have everything we need to live out our Christian walk in Jesus Christ and his power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in those who put their faith in Jesus. This is not up to us to try to sort out on our own, to try to put our good works into it. But actually, Jesus has given us everything we need to do it. And not only has he given us everything uh, to, to live this out in life and godliness, but he's also given us these very great and precious promises to pr- participate in his divine nature. And to escape or to, um, yeah, to, to, to live set apart from the world. He's given us everything we need now, but also speaking of the promises to come. And so all of this has been given to us by faith. All of what we just looked at just in that brief moment has been given to us by faith. We don't work for his acceptance. We don't work for um, to receive everything that we need. But it has been given freely through Jesus and his spirit living and dwelling in us. But then it goes on to say, for this reason, make every effort, every effort 
kind of speaks like there's something we have to do here, right? The Christian walk, we, we give our, our, put our faith in Jesus and that we receive his spirit and all of that comes without, without any kind of work or any kind of effort on our part. But then the next step is us to start following Jesus. The Christian life is not a life where we just, we, we give our hearts to him and then we just coast till Jesus comes back. No, it says we make every effort to add to our faith these other qualities that are needed in our lives to be effective and, and uh, to, be, to be who he wants us to be in the knowledge of Jesus. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. This is now our response, how we live it out. Christ has provided us everything but we now have a part to play in seeing it working its way through the various areas of our lives. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, we're not possessed. Okay? When, the, when we give our, our heart or soul over to the enemy, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and we, I, probably most of us have heard of demon possession, right? When the enemy comes, he possesses, he takes over. When we give a heart, something of our heart to the enemy, the enemy comes and he will rule your life in those areas. But the Holy Spirit is not like that. You see, the Holy Spirit never comes to overrule your control. The Holy Spirit comes and works with your choice. We move as far as the Holy Spirit. Uh, we give the Holy Spirit room to work in us. And so the very first thing that we need to add to our faith is goodness. Now, this comes from the Greek word arete which is actually seen only four times in the New Testament and two times in the passage that we just read. It's the other two times we're going to look at in a moment. And it means this, a virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action to have a moral excellence. So when it says, add to your faith goodness, it's saying, add to your faith this virtuous course of thought and feeling and action to have a moral excellence about who you are deep inside. When we see in Scripture that we are to add goodness to our faith, what does it look like? What, how do we just add moral excellence to our everyday lives? Moral excellence in God's kingdom is not just simply external actions that we live out. But actually, it deals with root issues of the heart, doesn't it? You see, Jesus kind of set a new, new line. Uh, people thought, the Pharisees thought they were doing... Uh, the kind of the religious leaders of the time were really great people. They did all, they ticked all the right boxes, but Jesus then kind of brought it to another level saying, you know, even if you look at a woman lustfully, even if there's anger in your heart, if, if, if there's something deep inside of you, then that's also a sin. That's also not lining up to where my heart is. Now, obviously we can't just change our thinking overnight. There's, there's a process that we need to, to go through. But Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks, so is he, right? Our mind, our thoughts control our destiny. Yes, our faith, yes, we, we put our faith in Jesus, but our thought process has a big part to play in how we then live it out. Integrity, honesty, trustworthiness, purity don't just happen. But they are the fruit of moral excellent thinking. More excellence in our lives, in our, in our, in our mind, in our heart. And so if we're going to have goodness added 
to our thinking, if we're going to have moral excellence added to our thinking, it really begins with controlling what goes in. Romans 12.2 says, Don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We are transformed when our mind is changed. When something happens in our thinking. To renew our minds on a practical level starts with making a choice of what we feed our minds. For example, in your daily life, if you eat rubbish, fast food, if you live at McDonald's, and you start to struggle with health problems, it comes as no surprise, is it? Because you're consuming rubbish. Now, I don't mean all the McDonald's food is rubbish. Their salads are quite nice. Some of their low-fat chicken is good. But you get the point. If you, if you ingest food that isn't good for you on a consistent basis, it affects your body. And yet, as Christians, we come to know Jesus. We put our faith in Him. And, and spiritually speaking, we feast our minds, or we can feast our minds, on rubbish all week long. We can watch shows we can watch movies that pull us further away from God, that start to, that, that implants things in our hearts that isn't of Him. We listen to music or read books or, or play video games, all of these things, not that any of these things in themselves are wrong, but when we feast on it day after day after day, and if that is our primary source of feeding our minds, it's no surprise when we don't think God's thoughts. If 99% of what we're feeding our minds is rubbish, then rubbish is what we think. And there's many people that will talk to me about the challenges that they're facing. But when you kind of go a little bit deeper, you realize all you're doing all day long, you're just feeding your minds with a certain thought. And it, one feeds the other. Because actually when you give root to something in your heart or in your mind, you actually want to watch more of it because you want to feed that element of you. But all the while, it's entrapping you. We should watch the content. And the challenge, even as a very first point of, of controlling the input, is, is to change the, the content of what we're putting into your brain. Do a little evaluation of what it is that you feast your mind on. What do you think about? But what do you look at? What are you listening to? What are the things that are, are going in? I encourage you, even this coming week, to to start reading and start listening to the Bible. Put worship or Christian music on. It's going to build your thought process and build your mind. Maybe read some Christian books. Maybe watch some wholesome movies that are, are going to challenge your thinking in a godly way. It's amazing, actually, how powerful a movie can be. Just a movie. And I know there's some movies I've watched that I feel so inspired to do some great things for God. And even if they're not a godly movie, sometimes there's a godly message in the movie. But then there's some movies I just feel so disgusting afterwards. Because I feel defiled from what I watched. You see, we are not to be conformed any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And if I want to be adding to my faith goodness, then goodness needs to be coming into me. 
I need to be feasting on goodness so that actually I've got something in which my mind is being renewed with. If you're renewing something, you're putting something fresh into the system, right? And all of us have a lifetime of memories. We, we can't stop what we, the, 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 the memories of the past, the experiences of our past. We can't necessarily just blank that. But what we can do is start to feed fresh thoughts in so that we start to renew it. We start to change it from one gradual thought to another. And in that renewing of our minds, we become transformed into his likeness. And so it starts with choosing what we put in. But then it goes on to then taking authority over our thought lives. Do you know it is your choice what you think about? Do you know that? I can choose what I think about. There's a lot of things in life I can't choose. But I can choose what I think about. No matter what my context is, I can choose what I meditate upon. And in Philippians chapter 4, we see the second time this word arate being used. Philippians 4 verse 8. Here's a checklist. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is... Um, if anything is excellent, and excellent here is that word, arete. If anything is arete or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Think about what is morally excellent or virtuous or pure. Think about it. Meditate on it. There are areas that may need to change in us. And when something is not changed, actually wrong patterns of thinking can quickly become strongholds in us. And often we have a train of thought. And, and again, if we're feeding our minds with certain things and we, we start to, to think on it and we meditate on it, we, we, we have this vicious circle that we're just trapped into a mindset that's not good. And that mindset becomes a stronghold that holds us captive. And again, going back to where we see this in 1 Peter, the whole purpose of making every effort to add goodness to our lives is so that we become effective in our knowledge of Christ. We become productive in all that He calls us to. But if your thinking is not God's thinking, you will become unproductive and ineffective in everything you do because you're stuck in a mindset that is not of God. And you keep feeding it, you keep thinking on it, you keep working on it. And, and although you come even to church, you think, I want to be someone different. You're stuck because you keep in the same cycle of thinking. Godliness and His goodness that He wants to bring into our lives happens as we start to take authority over our lives. This passage that we just read gives a good checklist of our thoughts. And, you know, there's a sobering thought as I was preparing this is, you know, if the world were to see what we think about, would they consider us still to be Christians? Regardless if we come to church or not, if, the, if that was kind of on a camera, if everyone could just see what we're thinking, would they consider us to be morally excellent? Now, I, I, I'm in this home, I'm in the, sitting with you on this. I think, God, I need to continue to add in ever increasing measure goodness to my life. I need to continue to add, I need to be transformed by renewing of my mind because actually there's things in me that are not goodness. If someone were to see a snapshot of my brain all the time, it would be scary, I think. 
to some of you and vice versa. We need the Holy Spirit to come, but we are in control. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and just override our thoughts. We have control over our thoughts. That's why it says, think about these things. How does your thought life compare to the passage we just read? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we see that actually we have amazing power in Christ to break strongholds of our thinking. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this, verses 3 to 5. It says, for though we live in this world, we do not wage the world as the world does. The weapons we fight for, uh, sorry, we've, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. God is giving you divine power to what? To demolish strongholds. But what is the strongholds? It's not going around in the, you know, Burgess Hill and we're going to destroy strongholds. But actually, it's very personal. It says we destroy arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You see, God has given us divine power to demolish strongholds. But it isn't necessarily strongholds in the community. It's strongholds between your two ears. And He's given you the power to demolish those strongholds so that you become who Jesus wants you to be. But what are the strongholds? It's those thoughts that exalt themselves above the knowledge of Christ. Those thoughts that are not God's plan for your life. His purposes for your life. Those thoughts are holding you captive. Those are the strongholds that God says, you know what? I've given you divine power to make those thoughts obedient to the Word of God. But you need to exercise it. And for every lie, every every voice in your, your thought process that is not of God, we need to renew it with the Word of God and stand upon the Word of God and take authority over those thoughts in Jesus' name and begin to proclaim that truth over you. And what is the result? Freedom starts to happen. And again, I don't know if I share this here or not, but we had a lady in our, our youth ministry in Canada who was afraid of everything. She She was afraid of flying. She was afraid of all sorts of things. Yet God had a call in her life. And she began to take the word of God. And she had depression. She struggled with all different things. And she began to just quote the word of God over her life. In these areas of fear, she began to speak that I can do all things over through Christ who strengthens me. In these areas where she felt, you know, the, the depression that kind of set in, she began to proclaim who she was in Jesus Christ. And it took time, but she began to renew her mind, the, the mind of Christ. She took authority over those thoughts. In Jesus, she came into a place of freedom. And it wasn't because we prayed for her at the altar, but because she took authority over her thought process. She began to feed her mind with God's thoughts. She began to feast on the word of God and began to stand upon that word. And someone who was afraid of everything ended up going to Albania on mission. She ended up serving here in Brighton for two years on mission. She ate food that she thought she never would eat. She experienced things she thought she could never handle in life. Here's someone who a few years back you think that could never happen. But you know what? She took God's word to task and she applied it to her life and she took authority over the strongholds of her thinking and she said, I will not let fear control my life forever. The byproduct is that she's serving Jesus. She's going for it. God's blessed her with a wonderful husband. They're serving God together in Canada. It's wonderful to see what happens when we actually apply this to our lives. But it starts in our thinking. 
Guys, we, we can be living 50% of our capacity in Jesus and we can be living ineffective in our walk with him because our thinking is wrong. And we need to add goodness to our lives. We need to add his thought process to us. And so we take captive every thought and we demolish these strongholds because his word has divine power to demolish these strongholds. His word has the power to change us. You think, well, it's just word. No, it is. His word is powerful. And his spirit, when, when we apply it with the work of his Holy Spirit in us, it has the power to bring the change that no, no doctor, no counseling could ever do. I'm a firm believer in the word of God in us. And again, that's why it's important that we feast our minds on these things. Listen to it. Listen to the word of God if you struggle to read it. Do whatever you need to do to get God's word in you. And so we, we control what we take in. We look at what is, we're thinking about what we take authority over our strongholds. But then actually in Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4, says this, Colossians 3, 1 to 4. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so we demolish the strongholds. But then it says we need to set our minds on things above. We need to have a godly perspective, a kingdom perspective. And what does it mean to think, to, to, to think about things of above? It's to meditate upon who God is, His plan, His purposes, His kingdom, His words, His thoughts, His will. It's putting our minds that actually, this is not the domain that I think about all the time, but I'm thinking about God's thoughts. I'm thinking about His th plan, His, His will. David talked about meditating upon God's word, His precepts. That's putting our mind upon things above. When we change the input, when we take authority over our lives and set our minds upon things above, it leads us then to the natural overflow of living it out. I tell you what, do not try to stop being who you are. You know, don't just try to be morally excellent in your workplace. Change how you think and you will be morally excellent in your place of work and with your friends and with everyone you're with. You will become that person because God does the work from the inside out. You see, sometimes I think as Christians and think historically the church, we like to put a veneer over our lives. We might have rubbish on the inside, but we put this Christian face on that we are holier than thou when that's not the case. God is looking for authenticity in us. Where we change the root of our hearts and we said, you know what, I'm not going to be conformed to this world and to the, the ways of thinking, but I'm going to get your word in my heart. I'm going to, I'm going to take down the strongholds of my thinking that are not of you. And I'm going to begin to set my mind upon things above your heart, your will. You know what? If we do that and you go to work Monday morning, you will shine for Jesus in moral excellence. You will proclaim who he is in your life because your mind is not set upon these things. Why would you be dishonest when you're, you have the mind of Christ? Why would you, why would you entertain kind of the, um, kind of crude joking with, with your colleagues when, when your, your thoughts are the, the thoughts of Christ? Why would you do that? It's out of character. It would seem odd. Because you're not there. You see, what happens is, I think, in life, when we desensitize ourselves and we continue to ingest that which is not good for us, 
When we're in environments that we need to shine for Jesus, we actually conform to the world because it becomes normal to us. And God says, I want you to be set upon the hill as a light. I want your goodness to shine forth because of what you've done, what I've done in your life. We become, we become a contrast instead of blending with the mix. And it, again, it isn't because we go into situations and we, 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 we put up that card that we are like super spiritual. No, we live an authentic life. And you know what people know when you're authentic and you're real? People know when you're genuine about your faith and you don't do certain things in your workplace because they just know you're not that kind of person. And not because you're trying to air it. You just live it. Simple. And that brings us to the third or the second passage of scripture where we see Erete being used. And it's in 1 Peter. And we'll look at this as we close. 1 Peter. Chapter 2. Verses 9 and 10, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's you and me. We are chosen. We're royal. We're holy. Why? Because of all that Jesus done. All of those, those three descriptions of who we are has nothing to do with you, but has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. But then it goes on to say, that you, I want you to say that, that, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You know what's interesting about this in the NIV? Praises is actually moral goodness, moral excellence. Erete. That you may declare the more, the erete of God, of him. That we would declare the moral excellence, the virtuous qualities of God. Who called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you uh, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so here we have this understanding that that Jesus has come and he's made us a holy people, a royal priesthood. These are all things he, he's grafted us into his, his body. That we may declare his, his, his moral excellence. Who's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. That we would declare it. How do we declare God's moral excellence? We declare it by God doing the work in us. We belong to Jesus. We represent Jesus in everything that we do. In all that we are. And when, G when people look at us, they see Jesus. And so in our lifestyle, we declare the moral excellence of Jesus. Because we were once in darkness. And now there's moral excellence in our hearts. Not because of the great work we're doing, but because of all that Jesus is doing in us. We declare it to the world. Again, this is not us trying to be morally excellent but it's simply choosing to think God's thoughts. Having the mind of Christ. Moral excellence in our conduct is the byproduct of the root work of God that he's doing in our hearts and our minds. I tell you what, people in our workplaces and schools and wherever we, our neighbors, should see in us that there's an honesty, there's an integrity, there's a purity, there's a trustworthiness in our lives. Not because of, of, of our good works, but they, they should see it because it's a quality of how we think, of, of how we live our lives. It should just be obvious. It's funny how we just can trust some people and we, we don't trust others, isn't it? It's funny how we can just know when someone's trustworthy. 
There's something in us that can tick that box and think, yeah, that person's trustworthy. He's honest. Do you know what? I, I pray that for every believer in this room, that we would, people would know us because of our, the integrity in our lives. Again, if you're talking about being effective and productive in our walk with Jesus, I tell you, nothing becomes more ineffective and unproductive than when we're dishonest, when we're immoral, when there's things in us that are impure and, and it shines out to others. You know what? If you're going to try to share for Jesus, but you're living a life that's contrary to that, you know, people think, you know what? That's repulsive, actually. You're preaching something that you're not living. And because of that, the, your, your gospel message becomes unproductive and ineffective. How do we change that? Is it, we're going to be transformed by our thinking. We're going to add, we're going to make every effort to add goodness to our lives, to add moral excellence to our thinking, that we would shine forth Jesus to the world around us and how we live. Again, all of these qualities are the qualities of God. Moral excellence is the quality of God. We need to keep growing in our goodness. And so I just close as a challenge to us. Again, I, I think God calls us to be hearers of the word and doers. And there's this temptation to think, wow, that was really challenging. And then we go home and we have our roast meal and pudding and watch rugby and then we forget. But maybe you need to evaluate what's what, what are you inputting into your lives? No one can do that but you. No one can choose what radio you listen to. No, no one can choose what shows you're watching. And again, I don't want to be legalistic about what's good and what's wrong. But you know what? If we're living for the king and we're setting our minds upon things of his kingdom, then there has to be some standard that we live by. And we need the Holy Spirit to bring that wisdom in our day-to-day -day lives. And it's not about being prescriptive as a church saying you can watch this and can't watch that. But hey, Jesus knows exactly what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're ingesting. His spirit is in you. God is calling us to be morally excellent. And I believe we need his help. All of this, I believe we need God's help. And maybe just in closing, I think the best way I can think to end this is a call to surrender our thoughts to him. Again, only you and God know what you think about. And I'm certainly not one to judge. But God says make every effort to, to grow in this area. And I believe that only can happen when we surrender our thoughts to God and say, God, help me. I need your help. I need your strength to, to maybe throw up some of the CDs I listen to, maybe to, to make some radical changes that I otherwise would not do on my own. If you stand with me, please. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.